welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the program so you can find out how to get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. Normally I would say now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business, but we are doing a repeat episode. Carrie's out of town and we'll be back live next week. We're going to go ahead and start. This is going to be Anne McCoy. Uh, we're rerun from earlier this year. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you, Tim. Like Tim said, I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get up in your business. My guest today is Anne McCoy, who needs no introduction because everyone knows her, either as the successful realtor for Buter Gibson Real Estate Agency in Little Rock, Arkansas, or the ever present mansion administrator for Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton, or the gracious personal and special assistant to President Clinton in the White House for the full eight years. We're going to talk and tell stories, even though I can honestly say this about Anne. I've known her 30 years, and she never talks or tells stories about anybody. I can't think of any time that she's ever said a bad word about anybody. But that's not true about me. On the other hand, I love a good story. And so today we're going to talk, and we're going to hope that our listeners find something that will inspire them educate them or make them want to get up and take action in their own life my guest today ann mccoy whose next to last job before retiring was that of special assistant deputy social secretary and director of personal correspondence to none other than president bill clinton born in little rock arkansas student at both Little Rock Central High School and University of Arkansas, and lived what would appear to be a typical life of wife and mother of three. So how did this suburbia mother come to live in Washington, D.C. and be the special assistant and personal correspondent for the most powerful man in the world? Well, we'll find out today as we follow her career path up to and through the 21st century. Oh, and did I mention she's family? Yes, Anne McCoy is my mother-in-law. Throw out all those preconceived notions of mother and daughter-in-laws not getting along. Though Anne is the epitome of Southern grace and hospitality, and I am a crass women's liber that often drops the F-bomb, we love and understand each other. To everyone's amazement, we find we have more in common than not, just different ways of expressing it. It is a pleasure and a privilege to welcome to the table a strong Southern woman, the worldly and always gracious Anne McCoy. Thank you, Carrie. Can you believe that intro? That was fabulous. That was fabulous. I That's because you're it. fabulous. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take every bit of it. So <laughs> I didn't even read everything. And so I'm going to really quick read more about you, just real, real, real fast, kind of on bullet points. And then we're going to start with your life. You went to Central High School around the time of the Central High Crisis. You went to college at the University of Arkansas and pledged Pi Phi. You married and had three children, one of whom passed away from cancer at the age of 15 and are now an active supporter of Carta. As a young adult, you worked at the Arkansas State Capitol as Lieutenant Governor Bob Riley's receptionist. As your children grew up, you became a successful realtor for the Buter Gibson Agency and part of the Million Dollar Club back when that was a big deal because houses, what was the average price of a house back then? 150000 
<laughs> she's nodding. You have, she has to talk on the radio. She's, yes, uh-huh. uh When your daughter, right out of college, took a job as Chelsea Clinton's nanny, you volunteered at the governor's mansion and eventually was offered the job as mansion administrator. In 1992, you followed President Bill Clinton to the White House. And last, before retiring, you did a short stint, not really short, four years, at Heifer International in their new headquarters in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. What a life. It was great. Did you ever think it would be like that? No. What did you think when you were graduating and getting married and marrying Grady McCoy Sr.? What did you think you were going to do for the rest of your life? Well, actually, when I was at the university, I went to business school. I was one of eight women in the business college at the University of Arkansas. It was kind of great, but <laughs> it, was, it was tough, too. And I realized that I didn't necessarily want to be an accountant, you know, or something, engineer, something along that line. So I really wanted to work in an office as a secretary, which now we call them assistants. I did work for the Arkansas Industrial Development Condition, Commission. Commission. And um, I was secretary for two men. It was a very small office. I kept the books and paid all the bills. Loved it. It was it was uh, very very interesting. That was early on, when it was Bill Rock was ahead of it, and uh, it was new to Arkansas. Was that the AIDC? AIDC Arkansas Industrial Development Center. Okay, mm-hmm. right. That's now the Economic Economic uh, Commission yes. today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, met Grady McCoy, who was here uh, with the Little Rock Air Force Base. That's your husband. Yes. <laughs> and um, we had kind of a whirlwind courtship. Uh, he was um, a lieutenant uh, in the Air Force, and um, I had already planned a trip to California, which I went on and spent the summer. When I got home, he was shipped out to Sacramento. So we really didn't know each other very well, and we've always said for the last 58 years that we're getting to know each other. It's been good. <laughs> so how'd you end up married? If he shipped out and you went away, how'd you end up? So how long was the courtship? You went with him? You dated three months? No, 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 no. I didn't go uh, any of that. He came back to Arkansas, and we corresponded over that time. And um, we um, got together when he came back, and uh, he asked me to marry him, and I married him. <laughs> what do you think you were going to do, just be his wife for the rest of your life? Do you think you were going to go back to work? I didn't think about work at that time. We went off to the Air Force. And, of course, I was a young bride uh, at Altus Air Force Base, which is one of the smallest Air Force bases in the United States. And it was like a homecoming. It was wonderful. All of the officers' wives were wonderful to me. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Didn't think about working because when you are in the military as a wife, you don't really get a job because you might be transferred the mm-hmm. next thing you know. Um, actually, I did not work for the first 14 years we were married. During that time, we had three children. And uh, when I did decide I wanted to work, and I wanted to work, I wanted to do something. Our youngest was only four years old. He did go to a little day school, which I think he had a lot of fun there. And... Um, I worked for Bob Riley, Lieutenant Lieutenant Governor Bob Riley. He happens to be my cousin Claudia Riley's husband. 
Bob Riley is a wonderful character and very interesting. I was a receptionist in his office. And at the Capitol? At the State Capitol, uh, yes. State Capitol. I um, would answer the phone, and it was kind of a colloquial that I would, I would say, um, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Lieutenant Governor is tied up right now. May I have him call you back? And obviously, I said that two or three times, and one day, Bob Riley called me into his office. He said, Ann, he said, um, I hear you every now and then telling people that I'm tied up in here, and they think I'm all wrapped up in ropes, and uh, we just can't do that. And I said, oh, my lands, of course. I said, that's just an old expression, didn't even realize, you know, what it meant. I've never used that again. <laughs> who would have thought? Yeah. Well, he, he's a terrific guy. I had another interesting experience when I was uh, working for him. I would give tours to young people and all over. I loved it because I learned all about the Arkansas Capitol. So you would give tours of the Capitol? Of the Capitol. And um, I learned more about the House and the Senate because I would go sit in the balcony and hear what they were doing and so on and so forth. So I loved to, to give young people tours. And one time I was giving one to a um, uh, middle school and high school group. Uh, we went to the Senate, we went to the House, and finally we all gathered in a conference room, and I was continuing to tell them more about what they do. And at one point I said, um, they generally work individually, but there are times that they will gather together in the House chamber and have a joint session, and the entire crowd just burst out laughing. And I didn't really realize what I had said, and the teacher kind of moseyed over to me and said, you know, a joint is marijuana. And I said, oh, 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 that's not it. <laughs> but there I learned another lesson. <laughs> you got to measure everything you say. <laughs> I, um, Those are great stories. Well, I then went on to um, real estate. Yes. Grady McCoy, husband, had been in real estate, or was in real estate, had been in for about six years. And, of course, we talked about it as a couple, talked about it all the time. And um, I thought I would really like it. So I took the test, would go upstairs every night by myself and study and study. Hadn't studied since I was at college. And um, then I went down to take the test. Got in the room. It was all quiet, a big room, all these tables, everyone gathered around. The envelope was in front. They said, don't pick up the envelope. There was a pencil by it. Finally, they said, pick up the envelope, take it out, and write your name. And I took it out and wrote, Ann Askew, which was my maiden name. And so I frantically started erasing, and everybody around me was just looking, shaking their head. Because you but can't anyway, erase on a test, I guess. Because I wrote the wrong thing. So oh. I, um, That's the beginning of your real estate career. Well, then I, then I uh, got back to the office, and when they got my results, um, Gibson at Bruder Gibson said, Well, Ann, you made a 98. Now, if you'd spelled your name right, you would have made a 100. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good story. All right. So how did you make the jump from private sector to public? I loved the jump. I knew, as I said, enough about real estate because Grady was in it. And uh, actually, he and I shared an office 
for about five years. I was in for ten. In for and ten sounds like jail. I was <laughs> well, in for ten. Five with my husband in a back office. <laughs> it's like solitary confinement with her husband. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I um, loved looking at houses, working with people, finding just the right thing for them. I realized that I had to number one. I had to know my business, up my business, as you say, and I would research the houses find out where the schools were, the shopping, um, the, um, the hospitals. All of this is just an added feature to be able to tell someone how to get downtown, to do this, that, and the other. Uh, also, I learned to listen to people. When they would see a house, walk in and look around and start saying things, you just listen and you got a feel for what they really were looking for, what they, this one had or did not have. Also, I learned to read body language because not everybody's as talkative as others. These aspects, um, as well as knowing the financing, people want to know this is a very emotional, serious decision for people. And um, they wanted to know the details without having to reveal a whole lot about themselves sometimes. The experience that I learned there helped me the rest of my life as far as dealing with people. Mm-hmm. Of course, I had to deal with plumbers. I had to deal with lawyers, um, know how to write contracts, this, that, and the other. It was a grand learning experience, uh, to, particularly to go to the governor's mansion, as I did. You mentioned about the Million Dollar Club, and I was thrilled that I did make it. I... Um, it was ironic because it was, I believe, 1983, and uh, Governor Bill Clinton was the one who gave out the awards. Oh, really? Yes, and we would all walk up on the stage and shake his hand and receive it and, and go down. I had met him, but I had never, you know, uh, had any other dealings with him. I, I think... Um, there are certain things that people observe, such as him seeing me uh, work to receive this award, that made him feel like I was someone that he might like to have later on. I'm sure at the time he was not thinking about that, but when you think back on the people you've met and the things they've done... He um, had an impression of you as a hard worker. Well, you're exactly right. Yeah, he's like, there's a can-do hard-working woman. Right, right. The, um, I did go on to uh, the governor's mansion. and uh, So your daughter got a job? Our daughter. Came out of college. Graduated from the University of Arkansas. She had babysat for a number of the Clinton's friends. And Hillary needed someone to take care of Chelsea. So a good friend uh, introduced Ch- Becky to Hillary, and she had the job for two years as nanny for Chelsea. They had a wonderful time because Chelsea was three to five years old, and they traveled a lot, and they they would take Chelsea with them. So that was a great opportunity for her. We did meet the Clintons during that time. And then in um, 1985, the administrator at the time uh, decided to do something else, and um, Hillary called me 
and asked if I would meet her at her Rose Law Firm office to talk about the job as administrator. So I did. I walked in this good-sized office, and there was a large desk and a chair in front of it, and she greeted. She said, please sit down. I did. She went behind her desk, and she said, Ann, Bill asked me to talk to you about the job as administrator for the governor's mansion. And I thought, aha, a good lawyer, the first disclaimer, if it doesn't work out. But anyway, it um, it worked out beautifully. What do you mean, a good disclaimer? A well, good I mean, it was, if, if if you don't work out, it wasn't my idea. Oh, I get you. And I don't mean that critically. I, I mean that as, as just sort of a way to prepare me. If a good negotiator, yeah. Bill would like, yeah. Bill. Well, I think all wives do that with their husbands, actually. So maybe we're all <laughs> great negotiators. Grady says it's time for us to go home. Right. You know? <laughs> So anyway, but, what happened? Uh, oh, I took it. I took it as exactly what I thought it was, that this is this is a joint decision they're making. Mm-hmm. And he is the governor, and I am employed by the governor. Um, I absolutely loved working at the governor's mansion. I was uh, a supervisor for all of the staff, all of the five to eight staff that we had. It was very small. Um we had five inmates from the Cummins Prison Unit that uh, Class A, Class A inmates. They Mur- were that means murderers? Excellent. Who what does Class A mean? It means they are the best behaved. They oh. have a very good record okay. of good behavior. They actually do not live at Cummins. They live in a unit out on 25th Street. Oh, okay. They did then. And uh, they worked uh, everywhere. They worked in the yard. They worked in the kitchen. They would help us when we had events. And uh, it was really uh, my first experience, but a good experience with them. I worked uh, well with the um, uh, state police. We had a a little uh, guardhouse, and we always had state police on guard. The um, I had the responsibility for seeing that everything worked in the house, if not to get someone to repair it. Also, with the responsibility to see that all of the exterior was taken care of. We worked, of course, with the, uh, um, with the capital uh, building service mm-hmm. when we needed anything. Therefore, it gave me just a broad uh, area. Then, Hillary really wanted to have people in who she felt needed to be introduced to who well just to the, to public, the general to the people to, to the, the p- general public for what they're what they have done we had awards so she there. wanted to promote she wanted to promote some people that she thought were doing good public service yes okay uh we always had um the awards for the uh, 4-H award of the year, mm. honoree of the year. We had the foster family. Uh, we had all kinds of charity non-profits. organizations, nonprofits. But prior to Bill Clinton, nobody had ever opened the governor's mansion up like this. No, they really had not. And um, But he had a philosophy that I, it was the people's. That's it. It he, was the people's house. It was and, the people's house. I remember that about him. I tell you, um, Governor... President Bill Clinton has always wanted to share what he had with other people, whether it was his knowledge or his, I personally think, his goodness. Uh, 
he wanted people to see the governor's mansion as well as the White House. And this was a wonderful way to uh, compliment them and to tell the general Arkansas community what's going on out there. You worked every day. I remember. Oh, I loved it, yes. Because we, I had, uh, you were starting to have grandchildren. I was starting to have children. And you were busy all the all time. The time. Well, it was, it was an on-call job. And we had a lot of events at night, uh, which I'd have to be there all the time. The... Um, uh, we had events in the in the yard, and you've got to be there early and stay late. The I, I loved it. I didn't mind it, and thank heavens, Grady McCoy, husband Grady McCoy, uh, was fine with it. And he went to a lot of them. He went to a lot of them. Yes, they wanted him to be there. He uh, was a volunteer. There. I guess you could say he was a nice volunteer. Nice volunteer. Do you have a favorite story about the governor's mansion? Mm. Who's who's the favorite? Who? You, let me see. You had some presidents visit while you were there, didn't you? We did not have a president, a but vice we, president. But we and we really did not have that many celebrities. We had the crew of designing women, and that was the cutest, most fun thing we've ever had. And um, we had uh, Bob Hope was there for a. Uh, it was welcoming home veterans from Vietnam, mm-hmm. uh, and. We had Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> we had aha. Uh-huh, we had Billy Graham. He was in town. Oh, I bet that he was interesting. He was uh, in town actually for a crusade, and we had him for lunch. Uh, it was just delightful. Is and he then just of a course, present. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say he he was so gracious. So uh, he wanted to go in the kitchen. He wanted to meet everybody in the kitchen. Uh, he was very. Gentle. Before we go to break again, tell us about Bill Clinton deciding to run for the presidency. Skip Rutherford was here, and he said that he called a he called a group to the plate to to the governor's mansion, a focus group. And Skip said, "I told him not to do it. He was crazy." So, <laughs> and he said, "Boy, I was wrong." But so, what do you remember? Well, I remember it was the most exciting thing I've ever been through, and I was the one who said to him. I said, if you can shake hands and look enough people in the eye for his 15 seconds, you will win the presidency. Bill Clinton has a uh, has a ability to just engage someone, even if it's just for 15 seconds. He, it was so exciting. We had more going on than you can imagine. They set up a small office at the governor's mansion. Now, of course, the Gazette building was the big campaign. We even had what I called a small war room because we had James Carville, we had the different people, and they would get in there, and I mean, they strategized with Clinton and Hillary, and it was it was pretty ferocious. I mean, they, they really wanted to cover all the areas that mm-hmm. they needed to to make this thing work. As it went on, we worked to get Hillary Dress to go on the trips all over. Um, of course, I'm skipping ahead. I didn't even mention the announcement at, yeah. at the old state house. That was, of course, terribly exciting. Uh, but we were even, we were pretty much getting together even before that. But um, we had uh, people in and out to, uh, for jobs 
on the campaign. So one they day, didn't use the capital. They used the they no, used they the used the governor's mansion. Okay, so one day, uh, right. but it was not a huge office. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people would come and go out of it, and it was just a place. For instance, the press, of course, were watching everything. And if he did go to the Gazette building, they were really watching that. They could not come onto the grounds of the governor's mansion. Oh, so it was a so safe people place. could drive in and have their interview about the job. One morning, I went to work. And everyone entered um, the kitchen door. I, I got out of my car, and I noticed a young man seated over um, by the backyard in a ter- chair in the table and reading the newspaper. So I went in, and I asked Liza. I said, Liza, who is that outside? And she said, someone here to interview with Governor Clinton about a job. And I said, well, give me a couple of cups of coffee. So I took the cups of coffee out and introduced myself to George Stephanopoulos. Mm. He was this grand-looking young man in pressed blue jeans and a white shirt with a navy blazer thrown over the chair. And um, we had a delightful conversation. And, of course, the rest is history, mm-hmm. as you know about George Stephanopoulos. He's, he's a fine fellow, and when he was here in uh, Little Rock, I saw him, we had a good visit. Um, Of course, as I said, getting um, Hillary dressed to travel was really fun. Uh, She had a little group that she called Hillary Land, and these were, I called them, well, they were all about 20s. They were in their 20s, and they were all from all over the United States, from good families, well-educated, and but they were just kids out of college, and they were so excited about the campaign. Um, you were probably the oldest person on the whole. Floor. Oh, I was. I, I was practically the oldest ho- person at the White House too. Yeah. Um, I mean, he I'm was go- a young president. Yeah. Oh, abs- yes, and good younger than I, and most of those who worked for him were younger. Um, but it was a it was a family deal. It was really working together to get things done, and we. For instance, as time went on, for some reason, people started sending Bill Clinton gifts. And over the, I think, eight months it amounted to, we he received over 30,000 gifts. Now, most of them were very small, little handmade things or something. But it went on and on. I mean, even one person sent... His uh, Purple Heart, which oh. which Bill Clinton uh, tried to give back and ended up on his desk at the White House, of course. But there, it was it was the most heartwarming thing. It was really overwhelming because when they realized that it was almost time for the vote and they were giving, going to give up the Gazette building, they brought it all over to the governor's mansion and put it in my area downstairs. Um, what we would do... We would go in at night, and we had two tables spread out, and we would take out things and spread them out on this table. And in the wee hours of the morning, because Bill Clinton rarely slept much, he would go down and look at things, and he would find things that he wanted to give to people and things he wanted to keep. He had a ball, and it was so emotional to all of us that mm-hmm. people were so carried away such a responsibility him. to have so many people believe in you and have their hopes set you're on right you. 
All right. Thank you for listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Again, this is a replay. We're going to be back live next week. And now I will continue with part two of Ann McCoy's interview. I don't know if everybody knows that Bill Clinton does not sleep. No, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't sleep. Yeah. We, um, when we got down uh, to the election, election night, if you recall, Bill Clinton had just about ruined his voice. Mm-hmm. And Dr. James' son told me, he said, now, Ann, don't let him talk. We told Bill Clinton to. But, I mean, we, he, he said uh, he must not talk because if he wins, he will not be able to accept. So we uh, sequestered him up in his library upstairs. And I was running back and forth taking up hot tea with honey for his throat. And he, he called down. He said, Ann, I think I'm ready for another one. And so this was late in the game. And there were very few of us there. Hilly Wee was there. There were um, just a few staff way down in the basement area. And so I fixed the, the tea, and I, I went upstairs, and he was on the phone when I got upstairs. I thought, Harry is talking again. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to then-President Bush, who was conceding the election to him. And... It was very quick and very polite and very nice. And when he hung up, of course, I was my eyes were big as saucers because I knew it was what he was doing. He said, "Run, get Hillary," which I did. So oh, then, what so, a story. So then we all, um, everybody got on makeup and got dressed, and they were just everything was uh, just frantic. But everyone was so excited. We had a motorcade. And we had everything in the motorcade, and they even added to it when he won. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had an ambulance. Uh, you know, they had all of the Secret Service. It was just huge. We and and we all got in, and we headed out. Uh, we got on Broadway, and we were going downtown on Broadway, and we got to the Broadway Bridge, and the Worthen Building broke out with uh, red, white, and blue lights of. Bill, uh-uh. all the way up the whole building. They'd planned it. And, of course, we all just cheered, and and it was so exciting. Mm. Was so that exciting. is just a great story. It almost brings tears to your eyes to hear it all. I don't know if it's because you're my mother-in-law or what, but it's just so emotional. I don't want to take a break, Tim, but I do want to tell everybody who we're talking to. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. That's me. And I'm speaking today with Ann McCoy, the mansion administrator for the Arkansas governor, Bill Clinton, and later to the personal assistant and correspondent to President Bill Clinton in the White House for eight years. We're going to jump on into the White House because the story of how y'all went to the White House is a good one. So he's won. You have now got to pack up the governor's mansion. And if I remember correctly, you go see the White House before President Clinton does. So tell us how he's won. Tell us what starts the ball rolling and how you had to do that. Okay. Hillary asked me to organize a group to unpack the items that they would need immediately when we got, when they, after the inauguration at the White House, um, which I did. I had 15 people. We had boxes that were Chelsea's room, Hillary's this, the president's that. Everything was, and we also had a lot of bricky brac to make them feel comfortable. Now, to, to 
to move back a moment, Kaki Hackersmith and I made three trips to the White House We um, for this very purpose. The first time we went, Hillary was there uh, visiting with Mrs. Bush, and she was, she gave her, Mrs. Bush gave Hillary a tour of the White House. We met Mrs. Bush, and then Hillary took us on a tour of the White House. We went back two other times after that and just figured out where things would go for each member of the family. We also went to this incredible facility that um, in Maryland where you can choose what you want. The, the president's desk is out there, and he told us what he wanted. The, uh, there were all kinds of beautiful pieces of furniture. So it's like a things. big warehouse full in, of in, all past presidents' oh, uh, living uh, furniture yeah. that they use, and you get to go in there and shop, basically, oh, yes. for do yeah. you want Kennedy's desk or do you yeah. want yeah. – you know, uh-huh. Eisenhower's. I don't know what Eisenhower's name is. Ph- it's a phenomenal place, and they almost they keep the location almost secret. Did Jackie Onassis, uh, was she responsible for that, for starting to collect and save the president's things? I think she is. But anyway. Well, they had a lot of things okay. uh, well before her. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'm sure that she was, because that was kind of her forte. Yeah. Um, so you went there and went shopping. Absolutely. Basically. Absolutely. Okay. We could have anything we wanted. Okay. The, um, not not personally, but for the president. Um, we went to the inaugural, and we um, saw the president sworn in. The 15 people that I had got on a bus, and we went down the parade route and waved to people like we were somebody, <laughs> and we got to the, to the White House, the two huge vans that were packed were uh, on the South Lawn, and they would not let us unpack them. Okay, hold it before you move on. So you have spent, just to, for our listeners to follow, you have packed up the governor's mansion, given away a lot of the stuff, chosen what you want to take to the White House, made two or three trips up there, deciding where they go. Are you... Did you move up and live up in Washington during this time? Or no. Did you move oh, here? no, 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 no. Okay. We made three trips. You made three trips up there. You've decided where everything's going to go. And now he's being sworn in at the inauguration. In fact, I was sitting with you during that time. And you and some other people jumped up and did exactly what you just said. Jumped in the car, went down the parade route to the White House while everybody else is leaving the inauguration and the president and first lady are getting ready to walk the parade path and you have made a beeline for the White House. Now you're at the White House in the parking lot, I guess it's called, and there's, it's full of big vans. And so start pick up right there. The vans would not, the Secret Service would not let them uh, take the furnishings out. For almost two hours. So the White House gave For security all reasons? For security or reasons or what? Did you we say, have, hey, I've got to get this unpacked before the parade ends? Well, yeah. I, I don't know what the reason was. And we didn't, we didn't uh, worry too much about it except that we were on a deadline. Um, but we, um, the White House staff 
gave us a complete tour of the White House. So all these 15 people got to go completely through the White House and see everything in while it. you were waiting so to while, while you were, we waiting were waiting to get those things those uh, those The White House staff is incredible. They have about 98 permanent staff and they are career uh, professionals. They are all good. and So they, they've done this before. They have done this over and over and over, and they do everything with the idea of you're just the best one yet. Yeah. And, oh, how gracious I are mean, they. So I don't think everybody realizes this, but when he sta- when, when the president steps up to, to the podium to accept the presidency, he does not live in the White House. When he walks down Pennsylvania Avenue, and two hours later, he has moved in the White House, and he now lives there. You it's, have hours to move the president in. I think well, that is just shocking. Hillary did have the tour with Mrs. Bush, and she saw the private quarters. But that was the first time she had ever seen it. I had seen it three times. Well, mm-hmm. I did see it three times before she did, before, before the president did. Mm-hmm. He had never been on the private level. And... Um, so it, it was all terribly exciting for everybody. So they've approved we, you, and you get to move in, and you start moving in. We, we got, finally got the items. Everybody, like beavers, put everything in the drawers where they needed to go. And the boxes, that, we had to have it by 5 o'clock because that's when they were coming in. So who put in the underwear drawer? I just want to know, Ann. Did you let anybody do that, or did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, really, I don't know who I want putting in my underwear drawer. <laughs> We had a woman do that. <laughs> I figured you had to think about all that stuff. But all right, my, go ahead. But my brother has laughed. He was one of our 15, and he said, I got to put Chelsea's things in her drawer. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. I mean, that is a big but, deal. But it was really neat because the Clintons got back. Everything was out. And actually, one of the housekeepers at the governor's mansion, Virginia, who's wonderful, she went with us, and she stayed and helped Hillary get everything organized and dressed and everything. Uh, Chelsea had five young friends from Little Rock spend the night with her that night, and um, they had the White House organized a scavenger hunt, and they had an absolute ball. It was really a wonderful night. How old was Chelsea at that time? I can't remember. Thirteen. What a night. Yeah. That's a great story. So, uh, and Bill, tell us about when Bill Clinton came and saw the White House. Wasn't it that night he came and he had all his friends over? And tell us about him going out of the Truman Balcony. Oh, yeah, I I interviewed you for Brave Magazine. I remember all this. Okay. Actually, it was three weeks later. Oh. And the Clintons had a lovely party up in the living room upstairs. It's called the Yellow Oval which is surrounded by the Truman Balcony. There was a a very nice man that uh, I was visiting with, and uh, I was explaining to him the different things, and I said, the Truman Balcony is right out that door. And he said, oh, he said, could we go out and look, walk on it? I said, of course. So we went over, we went out, we walked all around the Truman Balcony, and then he came back in, and he was talking to President Clinton, and he said, oh, my word, you're so beautiful on that Truman Balcony. And he said, Truman Balcony, Truman Balcony, well, well now, uh, let's see. I haven't seen it. Let's go. So we all three went out to see the Truman Balcony, three weeks after he'd lived in the house. <laughs> but he, he loved everything about that house, and he wanted everybody to see it. 
I had such a fabulous experience because I was uh, Deputy Social Secretary. We planned every event that took place in the White House. We invited the people. We uh, attended all of the events pretty much in a uh, uh, hostessing capacity. Now, I say we. Uh, not all of everybody attended, but uh, primarily the, uh, the, there were two of us that did. And therefore, we met so many people. I was fortunate when we were at the governor's mansion that President Clinton, President-elect, interviewed all of his cabinet members um, in Little Rock. And I got to, my job was to visit with them before they talked to him. Uh, I didn't know who they were. Lloyd Benson from Texas, nicest fellow, wonderful, became the Treasury Secretary. Um, We had Governor Riley. Secretary uh, of Education, and on and on. Robert so, Reich, wasn't he somebody? Did he come Robert out? Reich. Oh, yeah, he was around there a lot. He was he was even there before, but he, all those, and some of the directors of the, of the, uh, so I got, I met them, and it, you know, Bill Clinton time, he was never on time, so it was, it, the conversations went on and on, but they were just delightful people. So when we went to the White House, part of my job was to greet people that were coming over there to see them and do things and they and we recognized each other and we had a wonderful visit about that and how do you like your job how do you like your job mm-hmm. so it really was it was comfortable for both of us that there was one thing i wanted to to um talk about the first day we um the first day after the inaugural we had three events mm-hmm. we had no Pencil, paper, computer, phone, anything else. We did get that later. When someone leaves the White House, they pretty much strip it of everything. The um, wow! But we had uh, 900 people who came through. Friends of Bill, they wanted to say thank you to. We had 200 DNC members, and he had a meeting with them in the East Room. We had 125 students who missed walking in the parade and Bill Clinton wanted them to come see the White House and then we had 250 family and friends for a reception that night and that, that was the first day that on was the job the first day at the White House and it hardly slowed down after that <laughs> but it was a, it was a, a you know learning uh, experience mm-hmm. and then in uh, another fabulous uh, event was in, in October of 93, we had um, to five days to plan a 3,000-member event on the South Lawn. How many? 3,000 people on the South Lawn. It was the Israeli-Palestine uh, Peace Accord. Oh, just a little event. Just a little event involving little people. And we had... Uh, it's our, so that morning, I met... Um, President Carter and Rosalind, as they were walking across from Blair House, which is right across the street where they stayed, and I took them to the South Lawn where we had all the press from all over the world set up for interviews. And then I rushed back to the North Portico to greet former President Bush. And it was the first time that he had been in the White House since he left. And he was so excited. He was visiting around uh, with the security and saying hello to everyone. And then uh, we were walking across the Rose Garden. I took him over to the cabinet room. And uh, he's really a nice-looking 
tall man, he looked so rested and everything. And I said, President Bush, you just look wonderful. And he said, I feel wonderful. I don't do anything I don't want to do. <laughs> and eight years later, I knew exactly what he was talking about. And, um, and then, of course, I was in the room when Arafat and Rabin had their first and handshake. And that was not easy. They didn't want to do it. Bill Clinton just insisted on this. They were practicing this. And, um, the, um, of course, the event was wonderful. It turned out just, just great. But, as we all know, um, Rabin was assassinated. Arafat has died. And we still have problems with the two. You know, Bill Clinton is the world's greatest compromising negotiator. He can bring people together better than anybody. Well, speaking of that, what do you think Bill Clinton's biggest strength is? You've said a lot of them, that he can connect with anybody in 15 minutes. He always gets a bad rap, it seems like. But he did a lot of really great things, and his heart is really in the right place. Everything you said, I believe, is true. I think that he and Hillary had a deep commitment to people all over the world. They wanted to make life better for everybody. And there are ways they felt it could be done. Health care, for heaven's sakes. Um, you know, education. I mean, the basics. Uh, and they really knew that it just took the right legislation and the right people to try to get this done. Of course, it's interesting because I recently read a book that Eleanor Roosevelt wrote when she was literally dying. She um, wanted to write this. And the issues that she brought up in this book are the same issues that we are fighting with today. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm -hmm. Humans are just humans. People are humans. And we have the same... Every generation seems like we have the same human flaws that we had before, and you know they're they're usually, you know, greed is usually one of them, and fear is another one of them. You know, they're the kind of the wrong motivators for uh, for doing things that are good. You think we learn, don't you? Don't you think we learn? Don't you think we learn, Tim? Depends on uh. what we're trying to. Were we trying to learn it? Oh, there you go. Because if so, then we might have. But if you're not trying to learn, you're not gonna. You can't. You can't f- help someone that doesn't want help. Uh, has he been to AA? <laughs> uh, <laughs> are you going to write a book, Anne? I have a lot of information. I have given a lot of talks, and I've kept all the information. I'm struggling with it because I'm not a book writer. And everybody says, give it to somebody, give it to somebody. I said, no, 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 no. If my grandchildren are the ones that want to have it, and I want it to be my words, you know, my stuff. So I'm working at it, and I better get with it <clears throat> as time goes by. You can you not give it to somebody, but you can hire somebody and dictate it to them. Okay. I have one other story. Do we have time? You absolutely do. Come on. Great. You're a great storyteller, too. This, um, I was lucky. Uh, the three, the last three years at the governor's, at the White House, I was deputy, I mean, pardon me, I was director of personal correspondent. And with that, the Clintons asked me to host overnight house guests. Now, 
by that, they would call me and say, Ann, we want so-and-so and so-and-so to spend the night this weekend, and usually a specific night, at where you call them and, and invite them. And can you imagine anything any more fun than to call up someone and say, this is Ann McCoy at the White House, and I'm calling on behalf of the President and First Lady to invite you to spend the night at the White House. She said that a few times. <laughs> but it was interesting because some, and particularly the women would say, oh, now come on, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> but I, that didn't happen too often. And most of the time, to tell the truth, that they were really um, – Important. Uh, their their they expected assistant it. was who I talked with. Oh, I see. But I then would make all arrangements, um, particularly when they got to uh, Washington D.C. Um, and I would have them picked up at the airport, greet them when they arrived, take them to their room, and then. Um, stay with them basically for anything give them tours take the, if we were having dinners just make sure that they saw everything and had all their needs the um, one story that i i want to tell is we had um i was asked to call and invite dennis green of the minnesota vikings coach okay and hank aaron of baseball fame yes which I did. I invited them. And I had the times that they were arriving at the diplomatic reception room. It ended up where Dennis, well, one of them came a little early. And to be, I have to say, I didn't know either one of them. I had no idea what they looked like. I didn't know anything about them. So I, t- I greeted them. And people like this will not give their name. They expect you to know their name. And I introduced myself. So I didn't hear their name. We got on the elevator. And I said, um, Mr. Aaron, and he looked at me, and um, his wife was right there. And she, and uh, and he he said, I'm Dennis Green. And I said, oh, oh I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry. And she said, oh, I'm sure that you didn't uh, recognize him. He's lost 75 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Good save. Good save. And so, oh, then I said, oh, that's just wonderful. You look great, you know. Uh, And it was so fortunate that that happened because we had certain rooms, and the Clintons would give, we want Hank Aaron in the Lincoln bedroom, and we want Dennis Green in the Queen's room, the best rooms in the house. And um, so I I lucked out kind of because I probably would have put him in the wrong room. Put him in the wrong room. And and I learned after that to find some identification, some identifying something I could go with. Yeah. Or at least, look, look, it was, Clinton was in office during the Internet. You could have Googled up these guys probably. Well, you know, we did not have cell phones. We did not have, we didn't have Google. We didn't have. Well, during the first part of his presidency, there was no Internet. It didn't happen until the last part of his presidency. You're right. Right. It's hard to believe. Well, it was interesting. Uh, they were, they were. Hank Aaron was absolutely delightful. Oh, he's a fine-looking gentleman, and he signed about two dozen baseballs. And he said, "I want you to give them to the staff." And we, uh, we just had a great visit. His wife is absolutely adorable. Name's Billy. She's cute as thing. So I did an article with you and interviewed you for Brave Magazine, and you said that um, everybody, when they come to the White House is humbled by the White House. Did anybody make an impression on you that came that that 
I don't know that you were like, wow. Yes. Who? Nelson Mandela. Really? Nelson Mandela was, um, uh, it came to the United States to accept the Congressional Gold Medal. It's the highest honor that Congress can bestow upon a citizen. He received the medal, and then they had a gathering of African-American ministers at the White House. He was invited by President Mandela was invited by the president to stay at the White House, and I made all those arrangements for that. He and his wife of five months, Grasse, he spoke to the group um, at, at the White House after he received the medal, and then he, he was really very frail, and he wanted to go up to his room. So he was escorted down the hallway, greeting people as he walked down the hallway. And I was at the elevator, and he took my hand in both of his hands. And we went, got in the elevator. We walked upstairs, and I took him to the Lincoln bedroom. And I told him that I remembered well when Chelsea Clinton was eight, was 10 years old, and he was released from prison. And Governor Clinton at that time had both of us in the kitchen to watch this on television. And then Chelsea and Mandela uh, corresponded over the years. And that night when he was at the White House, he called her at Stanford, uh, where she was at the university, and they had a good visit. But that he's the most gentle uh, person. Bill Clinton introduced him to this group as saying, Nelson Mandela is the man we would all like to be on our best day. Oh, what a good story. So he had a lot of movie star friends. Tell me about Barbara Streisand. Tell you about what? Barbara Streisand. Oh, yes. Well, Barbara Streisand came early on to spend the night. She had never been to the White House. Now, this was in 93, and she was not married at the time. She was by herself. So she was going to stay in the Queen's room. So I took her up there, and I was telling her, as I did everybody, I said... I said, four queens have stayed in this room, the Queen of Norway, the Queen of Denmark, the Queen of Greece, the Queen of the UK. And she said, oh, I'll make it five, the Queen of Arts. (laughs) I said, oh, sure. (laughs) Wow. Well, she came back, and this was in about 98 or 99, and she was married to James Brolin. And they stayed in the Queen's room, and James Brolin is a doll. And James Brolin is a history buff, and he wanted to see everything in the White House, every memorabilia, every picture. And I didn't mind showing him everything. I had more fun with him. But um, she really, um, you know, she was really very friendly and fun. Mm -hmm. I think it's different when you're in a situation. Everybody was in awe of walking into the White House. Ralph Lauren and Ricky were the cutest things I've ever seen in my life. They had their two beautiful children. Ralph Lauren had given $3 million to renovate the original American flag that hangs in the National Museum in Washington. And he was adorable. They were so much fun. And they would just say, oh, this is so exciting. This is so great. Uh... Will Smith and his wife, they were a hoot. Walter Cronkite and his wife were 
absolutely delightful. I enjoy them so much. And, of course, Billy Graham and Ruth came a couple of times. <laughs> Ruth, act like a... I, I, they were. They were so friendly. And first name basis. <laughs> you know, and your Pollyanna attitude towards everybody is just... It's just endearing. I just, I just, it's just great. Well, uh, you have given me a gift to talk about it because it was such a fabulous experience, and and it, you know, it just, it, I love to share it. You're, you're welcome. Thanks for coming on. So, where's your memorabilia going to be? You've got a lot. The University of Arkansas at Fayetteville University Studies, and I am getting things together, and my adorable daughter-in-law that would be me has allowed me to take boxes down to Arkansas Flag and Banner and move, spread things out and look at them, which has been another gift to me because it's been memory lane and just such a, I realized we were working, I mean, we worked 24-7. I was on call all the time. And I loved it, though. And mm-hmm. Grady was with me. He worked at General Services Administration and loved his job. So we, we had one of the greatest experiences anybody could have. We had friends in Washington. We were all over the place. And I didn't even get to tell them about my trip on Air Force One to Japan. That was incredible. Thank you for listening to this replay episode of Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. We'll be back next week speaking with Bella Vista Jewelry Brandy. We'll be live at the regular time, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>